Hello, everyone. How are you this week? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo once again. It's always Largo, right? Unless I'm someplace else. That's a stupid thing to say. I'll fucking forget I said that. Yes, it's just been another weekend. It was a fun, eventful weekend. We had it was it was it was busy. And we had a little excitement on Sunday. So, much like any place in the country, I realize that we're not the only ones that get weather and severe weather. And a lot of you in the central part of the country get the, I guess, the horror or shocking arbitrariness of the cyclone, the tor- uh, tornadoes. And we were, uh, we had a severe thunderstorm here, or th- a severe thunderstorm warning on Sunday in the Keys. So right around, I'm working Sunday, right around 7 o'clock, we had a decent amount of people in the restaurant. And the storm clouds started gathering, really dark, really, you know how it is, really dark clouds. And it's not unusual down here for having dark clouds gather to the north of us because it stops at the mainland sometimes. But these kept on coming in and running around 7.30 started blowing. And people are scrambling to get their motorcycles home if they're locals with motorcycles or your Jeep and stuff like that to get into a secure location because there was rumors that there you know, was a high likelihood that it could be the conditions that tornadoes would form and hail and he said there was some big hail up uh, in Miami so we're having it's starting to get blown really bad and this local family that own uh, a, a real estate rental company they they do vacation rentals well the the mother's here she she had a trike a Harley Davidson trike and she moved it it was right next to our sign. And her son's there with her and with his one of his co-workers and her another family member, a friend of the family. And they're there hanging out. She takes her trike, heads home real quick. And the son comes back as he, after he sees his mom off. And when I say trike, a three-wheel mo- motorcycle. He comes back in and says, hey, Jim. Your sign looks like it's about to come down. You should maybe you want to put a strap on it and stuff like that. And I'm not sure which signs they're talking about. So I go out the front door of the restaurant and I look up to the front of the restaurant where I would assume that the sign was coming free because the other one is this our main sign that's on the road near the road that's about 14 feet high. It's a, it's an eight by the sign itself is an eight by four inch, four inch, eight feet by four feet wide, maybe eight by five, but it's, it's standing there. It's two sided plastic sign with metal poles on either side and a metal frame it's sitting in. So I look up at the canvas one on the front of the restaurant. It's, eh, it looks like it'll hold. And I look over and I'm standing right in front of that sign that I assume that's not going to be any problem. It made it through Irma. I mean, the glass broke on the sign, but 
I didn't worry about anything else. So I'm looking at that and I see it shaking. And don't you know, within a couple seconds, that whole sign comes down and lands about a foot away from my feet as I kind of jump back. And all the, one of the panels, when it fell face down in front of me, came off the eight by four foot panel, panels and a bunch of fluorescent tubes. There's about eight of them in there. About six of them just shattered. So it's really windy and there's dust going around. It didn't start raining yet. So we have all this coral dust flying around and this shattered fluorescent tubing there. And the wind's picking up. So there's no chance to put the strap. Luckily, I didn't see it any earlier and didn't try to grab a elevator, 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 fucking ladder to strap the sign around I would have to put a strap around both of them get on the post and hopefully that would have held but I may have been up there and the sign would have went down and that would have been a bad deal with me being on a ladder uh, about 10 feet up in the air and having a, a sign blow over so we have the broken sign down and we had the big panel loose so me and the owner's son of the restaurant are pulling the panel out from underneath the sign because these plastic panels are expensive with the name of the restaurant on it. And they're undamaged. Good. So there's one on top that's undamaged and one on bottom that's loose. So I'm pulling the panel by myself. And I'm thinking, well, it's not it's not windy right now. And I figure I take it and I bring it alongside a restaurant and secure it between the restaurant and the fence so it doesn't blow away. Well, as I'm taking it, Another gust of wind comes and I have my hands on it and it grabs that panel and decides it wants to take it down the road. And I'm holding on to the panel and it takes me up a couple feet in the air and throws me into the fence on the side of the restaurant. And I'll tell you from my experience being thrown in a fence, I've been in fights and things like that, being thrown into certain fences or ran into certain fences playing football and things like that. Uh, a concrete wall is the worst thing in the world. Um, wooden walls are bad too. Chain link, they have a lot of give. But I'll tell you, a plastic fence, if you're going to be thrown into anything, that's the one. Because here I am, I'm, I was taken off my feet. It happened so quickly. And there were cinder blocks and coral rocks laying around. And I could have just been thrown into cinder blocks and coral rocks on my side and what I did is I got thrown into the plastic fence which was the only easier fence to be thrown into would be a fence made out of pillows I could imagine or one of those inflatable walls you get on it but so they saw me get thrown the guy the owner's son runs in and says Jim got picked up got thrown into the wall blah 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 and I'm like Wait, hold on a second. I did, but it was a plastic wall. And I was looking at my leg, and I'm thinking I got cut and all that stuff, and nothing happened. So, in the end, that sign made it through Irma, but it didn't make it through like a 20-second or 30-second serious blow this Sunday. And that couldn't have been. That had to be less of a, a, a blow than it was for Irma. And that was a sustained wind for those hurricanes. It's amazing how those quick things, what, what causes damage. So we had a whole bunch of things happen down here 
for that uh, the little south of us at the Seven Mile Bridge, a little south of us, south of Marathon, a sailboat came up against a power line and it disrupted power for half the keys. So about 30,000 people were without power for a little while because of the uh, a sailboat making the connection there. And he took it and there was someone on the sailboat when that happened. So that's exciting. You know, we're a community and it's, it's what the linear community runs down Route 1. And then the nature of the storm is everyone says, hey, how'd you make out with the storm and stuff like that? And you see how it's different in different places, especially with hurricanes and stuff like that. Not so much with these thunderstorms that move through. Everyone seems to get hit equally bad. But with... Uh, like I said, with hurricanes, it depends on which side you're on and stuff like that. But that was our excitement for a weekend. I'd like to thank uh, for this topic we're going to talk about. And I think it's been a while since we talked about it. And it's tipping. And it's a huge subject. And a lot of people, if you recall the movie Reservoir Dogs, there's a scene where all the main characters are sitting in a diner. And it's after they pulled the plan for their heist and pulled the, they were laying out the plans for a heist and they had just eaten breakfast at this diner and there are the guys, the main guy is paying for it and he says, listen, why don't you all throw in a tip? Throw in a buck for a tip. Which I didn't think it was that big a deal. Uh, I didn't think it was that big a tip either. You know, so Steve Buscemi's one of the characters and he goes on a long soliloquy on why he doesn't tip and his feelings behind it. Which are legitimate. It's a well thought out argument. I won't. I wouldn't call him a douchebag for it or anything like that. His feeling is that it's not his job to pay the person to to, to pay for something the owner should be paying his workers. He should not be subsidizing their wage. And on the previous shows that we spoke about. That tipping originally originated back in the late Middle Ages and things like that. But it was more of a kind of like a landed gentry thing where you you ended up paying people to do certain things for you. Just throwing them a bag of money. You know, here you go, take care of this and here you go. And the people don't count it. They just take it and do it and they're just happy to get the money. So tipping's a lot like that where you get a low base wage and the lion's share of your, your money that you make is from tipping. And in our society, it's at a full-service restaurant, 15% seems to be the standard tip for adequate service. And it can vary up and down from there. And you'll see it on the back of the bottom of receipts that you get when you get the bills for your food. They say this is what the proper tip amount could be. This is a percentage. This is what uh, 14%, 15%, 16%. I don't know why they would show the the low percentage if it's, if, if it's being printed out from a POS system in a restaurant. You should assume that the restaurant should assume that all their servers are providing adequate service. So 15 should be the starting point. Uh, and Sean from Knoxville suggested this topic and he was talking about their trip to Myrtle. And 
I understand that people in the business have a tendency, people that worked in the business have a tendency to tip more than people that haven't been in the business. That's not always the case. There's some really great tippers out there for people that haven't been in the business. And there's really some really bad tippers. And God, I'll tell you, shame on you. If you are in the business and you are on average a horrible tipper, then you are... I'm not calling you despicable, but you are not less than an admirable person. Now, for the rest of you all, tipping is kind of a feeling. People think that 15% is adequate. And there was questions on like the type of person you're tipping, the qualities of the person, meaning you're talking about a young person versus an older person. I don't think it really should change the fact what the person needs. You should not tip upon need. You should tip upon the reflection on what you view the service as being uh, adequate or good or great. And obviously, if there's poor service too, there's there's an option for that. There's there's always an option not to tip for a lot of places. Uh, a lot of people get angry at that, and people that chase people out of you know, that's just the thing that happens. Some people are bad tippers. Some people forget to tip. We have regulars that forget to tip. They're just used to that. We have regulars that accidentally take the restaurant copy. So there's no way of knowing a tip. And we don't attach a tip to people that don't, you know, that take both copies. We just can't do it. We're just happy to get payment for it. And we don't expect that necessarily to get tipped on takeout orders. Even though sometimes takeout orders can be more difficult because you got to go and make sure that everything they need is in there. And they're even more particular sometimes, you know, about making sure they have cutlery, all the different sauces, how many sauces that they need, how many napkins they need, uh, you know, and things like that. And then double checking the order because obviously when you're serving in house, the person's going to tell you, this is not what I had, but you got to double check that order. You should double check your order all the time. But I'm just saying a lot of times with, you can remedy in-house a solution if you send the wrong. Like you send something with tartar sauce and not cocktail sauce. You can remedy that so quickly, but not so much on a to-go order. But I digress once again. And the type of restaurant. People say the type... Uh, Sean mentioned a nice restaurant or where the location a restaurant is. A restaurant in Key Largo versus a restaurant, let's say, in a suburb of Mobile, Alabama. Right? That you may have the cost of living is much higher down here than it is up there. Well, it really shouldn't matter. If a meal was $20, let's say $20 in, in Mobile, then... A 15% tip would be $3. A $20 meal in Key West, a 15% would be $3. Whether you should tip more because of the, the standard of living and how much it costs to live there, that's up to you, but it's not generally the case that's factored in there. And a lot of times when the cost of living is much higher, especially in places like Manhattan, San Francisco, Paris, and things like that. If they're factored in as a, and I shouldn't mention Paris because a lot of times in Europe and stuff like that, they do the tip uh, can play, meaning complete. It's everything when you get the bill, it's all in there. But not so in the United States. And nowadays that's changing a little more so. But if 
let's say you're at a restaurant, the same restaurant or a similar restaurant in San Francisco than you would be in the suburb of Mobile, Alabama, let's say. And you go out for a steak dinner. Well, a steak dinner, a ribeye, a decent ribeye, could be $24 at that restaurant outside of Mobile. But you go to a place like San Francisco, the same ribeye with the same sides, could be $50. So in the end, the check's going to be higher anyway. So tipping 15% on a higher price check because of the cost of the items and the way they price their items on their menu, that server's going to get more. And it's that way anyway. Smith and Walensky's and things like that, when there's an $800 check that, you know, 8 times 15, that's $120. And they could have served four people, right? It's an $800 check. You serve four people. They could have spent, uh, they generally probably spend a little more time and detail, you, as you should if you're getting a $120 tip off one table. Then you would at a Golden Corral or, let's say, a Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel is probably a better one to say because Golden Corral is like a buffet. So you go to Cracker Barrel and the check for four people is, with the drinks, is $50. And 15% of that is $7.50. But generally, that person isn't going to see you that long, $7.50. And if you got a lot of tables and stuff like that, you can actually make a decent amount of money doing it. You you don't want to be, obviously, go to Smith and Walensky. That server may only have two tables at that time. But that's all they really need, do they? If they're making 100 to $150 a table, you get like three, four tables a night. That's pretty good. And then, then again, I don't know in Chicago, they could be making $800 a night there. Generally, the nicer the restaurant, the fewer the tables. Because they want to make sure that the people are taken care of particularly. And the less scale, high scale of the restaurant, the more covers per server they have. And that also goes with a lot of different things, factors going into a restaurant. If they have a hostess, and sometimes people say, well, there's a table over there. Uh, sometimes restaurants won't seat someone. Not because they're trying to hold it back, but because they have a certain amount of people they can take care of at one time. And the more people you seat, just slow down, slows down service for everyone. And they said, how does that slow down service for everyone? Well, let me tell you. If you have a server that's taking care of 20 people, Versus a server that's taking care of 30 people. Generally, the third, the person that's taking care of 30 people is going to be running more and be less attentive to the other, you know, each, each member of that 30, you know, could be spread across six tables, let's say, or seven tables, eight tables. So you, you want to try to divide that. So it, it's a cruel thing. You say, if someone works in like, Remember Halle Berry, if you ever seen the movie Monsters Ball? Maybe not a really good example for that because it had something to do with racism and all that stuff, horrible stuff uh, in Monsters Ball. But she was a waitress in this shitty 
small town diner. And you know when people come in for a cup of coffee and their pie and you know, slice of pie it could be like total comes out to five. The checks are coming to five dollars. Five dollars. And you know with those you're lucky to get a buck. They think they're tipping big when the check's five dollars and someone leaves you. Yeah, that's twenty percent. But think of how much you have to do. How many of those you have to do to make a decent living wage? And there are decent living wage for that. You may have to take home 120, 120 in order to do it. So that's a lot of fucking pie and coffee in a low cost place. So the other question and the topic that Sean brought up was why do people over tip? And what, what's the environment? And a lot of people that overtip are people that shouldn't overtip. They're usually bad managers of money. Well, a lot of times people are bad managers of money. And they choose, sometimes people choose how they're going to disperse the limited funds they have. Now, I know a lot of people of different socioeconomic means. And generally, it's more expensive to go out to eat than to buy food and prepare it at home. That's gen- generally the case. There are exceptions to it where there are places that depend on what you're making, how you're making it, the amount of time you have. Obviously, you have these apps like Blue Apron and things like that that have sends all the ingredients to your house for a meal and tells you how to prepare it. But, I mean, if you don't have the time to cook, going out to eat would be the wisest choice. That you got to eat. And sometimes people make, sometimes people think, well, listen, if I go and spend an hour preparing a meal and then cleaning up afterwards, that's an hour I could have been doing something else or doing spending time with my family and things like that. There's all sorts of considerations that go into why people dine as frequently as they do. And obviously, if you're not economic, if you're economically challenged, you should not be choosing to eat out as much. You should be eating at home. And for me, I don't go out as much, not because I'm economically challenged at this time, is because I work in a restaurant and I find it kind of meditative to be able to cook and think out a meal and doing the meal. I know it's a pain in the ass sometimes for my family and they go and say, well, they like to go out and they love to go out and eat because you can choose whatever you want. That's the nice thing about it when you go out with four people. Unless you go to one of those family style restaurants and you just get the one thing, you know, and you're going to say, hey, they just want to have the chicken, roast chicken dinner and everyone's going to have the sides. We're going to have succotash and mashed potatoes and stuff like that. No, but... Obviously, the other factor is you can choose whatever you want. Four different people, four different meals. No big deal. But if you're out there paying all the time, going around. I know there's people that don't make that much money and they tip great. And they're out and they're spending a large portion of their income on their food. Well, 
that's just I I can't even comment on that, Sean. I don't know. You shouldn't you shouldn't spend more money than you have. That being said, being over you know if you want a tip, I'm a bartender. I always encourage people if they have the ability to err generously when compensating people that are working. And it would be hypocritical of me not to side with that because I always enjoy that too. But then again, I don't look on people that just, there's people that come in and all they do is they they don't understand percentages. They got a thing about the amount. They don't see if they if it was $50 or $200. They're saying $10 is big tip. That's what they think. $50. No, $50 is a 20% tip. On $200, it's a 5% tip. There's people that think that. And there's kids that do it. When they come in there, you got a group of high school kids and stuff, and they all they all leave $10 on $200 or $250. Not realizing that, you know, the big table, a big table that really screws you on a tip is the most nefarious because they run you the most and they keep you from making money on smaller tables. So if you get screwed on a big table, let's say you had like 15 people and all night you only had 40. Well, more than one third was at 15. If they screw you, then out takes the, the burden of making money to that the remainder 25 and you hope that some of them were good tips in there but if you get screwed on a big table that could ruin your whole night and you know you have to consider and especially nice restaurants if you get a bottle of wine do you tip on the bottle of wine I tip on the bottle of wine but then again I've really never ordered a bottle of wine more than 200 250 dollars I know there's cases where you get a $500, $600 bottle of wine. Um, I'm not suggesting, sometimes people say, well, I only factor in, uh, if I see a $600 I bottle of wine and the rest of the meal was $200 or $250, uh, I'll tip, you know, they'll tip like 10%, factoring that the wine's more than 50% of the check. And it sh- it shouldn't be a factor, of, you know, just because a person opened it and poured a couple, you know, re- re- refilled your glasses once, that they're going to get an extra ninety bucks. No, okay, I understand that. And then, but some people do tip on on the expensive bottle wine. So there it is. It's not comprehensive. People get angry all the time. People that are not in the social, you know, the they don't have the experience of being in the service industry and they're out with other people that were in the service industry and they'll just say, hey, listen, yeah, you're, you're 10 C. They don't like their friends picking up the check sometimes because they're not saying, or you say, I'll leave the tip. You know, if you want to pick it up, I'll leave the tip or they'll leave a little extra. That pisses people off too when they go and say, you know, after someone tipped and they say, oh, and then they throw another 20. And that's directly... That's directly slapping the person originally tipped. And some people just don't give a shit. You'll see it. 
when you go out. They just don't give a shit. And they say, hey, listen, I tip what I tip. I don't care. I got people that come in regularly. I've known them for a couple of years and stuff like that. They will not tip. They will not tip over 15%. They break out the calculator all the time. You know? That's, you know, that's just the way it is. And, it's, and you know, it's, it's their life. And maybe they're doing well because of that. But, uh, and then, yeah, generally the people that don't have money are the ones that really part with it. Easier. Surprisingly so. But I can, I can leave it at that right now. I think the title of the show, one of the early shows, was Tipping is Not a City in China. That's an old story. Well, yesterday, before we get off the air, I was talking to one of my fellow workers at the Catch Restaurant in Key Largo, Mile Marker 102. That's open every day of the week, Monday through Sunday, for lunch and dinner. That's every day of the week. And happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3.30, 6.30. Great selection of seafood dishes, non-seafood dishes. And if you have your own catch, bring it in, and they'll prepare it for you any way you like. But we were talking about the other place they work, which is a famous bar in Key Largo, the Caribbean Club. And it's been around for a long time for down here. And we were discussing nicknames. And people have nicknames. When you ever have a bar that's busy enough that has multiple Eric's Jim's, Tom's, Stacy's, Lisa's, Maureen's, Heather's. They're going to start giving names to people. And they were mentioning that they had a, a list of people. And one name was, I'll change it as much as I can, Pervert Tom. Now, Pervert's right. But Tom isn't. And I go, wow. Well, what's the guy? And then another guy, they said a little a, a little guy was just grabbing girls' asses. He grabbed a, 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 an underage server's ass and tried to kiss her. So he got a, a lifetime banishment. You got to work really hard to get a lifetime banishment, especially from a place from, like the Caribbean Club. But they do come around. And there was another one person was called Poo Fingers. Poo Fingers. Poo Fingers, I forget the name. It could have been Pamela or something like that. But they got angry at something and they had poo on their fingers and they, yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, when there's drinking involved, you, sh- you shouldn't be shocked at almost anything. But I go back to thinking about, I used to be Slim Jim, Tall Jim, Big Jim. And I'm like, oh, man, just, you know, my last name's Haran. And they used to call me at McGeehan's Bar in Philadelphia. they call me Haran. And, you know, or Jim Haran. Use the whole name. I like that. It's a short name. So it's only eight letters, Jim Haran. But I, I would always say, oh, I wouldn't want to be skinny or slim or anything like that. Because I always had a thing when I was younger. Now, I, when someone says, hey, you're getting skinny, I love it. I'm not getting skinny. I just was getting in shape. Well, there was a... I worked at places where there was multiple gyms. I was one of all the gyms, and they called me... They called the first one Big Jim. Though, I was about four inches taller than him. 
and he was super thin. And then they started calling him Mean Jim, and I was Slim Jim. Because at the restaurant I originally got there, and he said, oh, you can't be called Jim, because we already have a Jim. I said, oh, you're going to change my name? Yeah, we're going to call you James. I said, ah. well, I liked it because there were cute girls. I like it when a cute girl calls me James, but I don't really, I'm not a big fan of James, unless I don't know the person. I like to be, oh, you're James? Yes, I'm James. But after someone's known me and knows my name, I'd like to be called Jim. But then again, at least I'm not Pervert Tom or Pooh Fingers Patty or Angry, what was it, Angry Tom, Angry, Angry Andy. I mean, even if you're Angry Andy, you could be worse. It could be a worse name. It could be Anus Andy. And how would you get a name called anus andy's probably because you moon when you moon people you do a spreadsheet so they can see all your business you know or jerk off johnny and it may be jerk off johnny because you act like a jerk off or it could be because johnny was in the bathroom and someone caught him jerking off so you know, or you could be pre, you know, premature ejaculating, whatever. That's a bad name to have in a bar. Or limp, limp Larry. Here's a good one. Limp Larry. Maybe because his hair's limp, but it's just going to give you the wrong impression and stuff like that. It's just some horrible names out there. So sometimes if you get stuck with a name and you're really not happy with it, think about how much worse it could be. It could be. There could be a name out there that's horrible. Why would you why would you even consider your name? When you, you have a decent name, nickname, embrace it. And if you don't like it, use it, try to use it. Maybe you can wear it out. Don't get all upset and things like that, because sometimes people it'll just increase the instance that it's used. Because people are all they're all they're looking for is reaction sometimes. Well, I like to thank everyone for listening. And if you like the show, please share it with your friends. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Even though I don't do a lot of shit on Instagram, I don't do a lot of pictures. Why don't I do pictures? I don't know. I got pictures to do sometimes. And. Uh, if you have any questions, send your questions to Jim at keysbartender.com. And uh, I'll be back probably tomorrow if I'm not too busy. But I, no, I'll, be, I'll be back tomorrow. I always make time for you guys. And we'll talk about something else. Who knows? Talk about maybe how some people make public the airing of their dirty laundry, like always, the the instance, like it's, that's what they do all the time. You know their business, not just like anus Andy, where you're mooning someone, showing your anus, but it could be like getting in an argument, and then all of a sudden you're blurting all the things out that you don't like about the person. I always found that interesting that they choose a public place like that. 
a lot of times people choose public places so they don't go through the personal attacks. But sometimes the personal attacks are just perfect in an open setting. For them, not for me. I do not enjoy seeing someone humiliated, no matter how much they deserve it. Well, thanks again. This is Jim. And that was a negative note. Have a great day. Enjoy the weather out there. It's a beautiful day here in the Keys. Talk to you later. Bye.